Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and I am joined by PFF analyst Dwayne McFarlane and Andrew Erickson to break down all the week four injuries. We've had injury reports rolling in hot and heavy today. Obviously, that's going to impact everything we thought we knew about the week from a fantasy perspective. So great day to be great as always. Andrew, how are you, friend? Doing great. Ready to the Patriots to come away with this big victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Andrew and I had a DFS preview pod go up that, you know, as our friend Peter Overset would say, has been flipped on its head with a bunch of these injuries going on. So we'll be sure to update some of the stuff we said on that. But still plenty of good takeaways from that, which you can find Spotify, Apple, wherever the hell you listen to your podcast. Dwayne, it's been like three days since we've talked, man. How, how are you doing? Are you, get, are, you get, are you okay with this? Yeah, dude, I'm good. This is awesome. You got, you guys missed it before, you know, we started. Ian was like, what the hell, dude? What's up with the hair? Dude, it looks <laughs> no, good. It looks I good. Didn't, I didn't it's just compliment. wake up. I just, uh, you know, my college son's in town and like they were there. They just basically wear their hair however they wake up. So I just thought I'd roll with it. <laughs> Today, years old when I found out you had a college son. So congrats on the Woo! sex, yeah. Dwayne. And the hair is, uh, hair is looking good. All right, people, as always, we're going to go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, just get you up to date with all the injury news. So first of all, Lamar Jackson, he's been carrying this Ravens team for three years. He's had, you know, some back issues limited throughout the week. He is good to go. Wouldn't expect him to have any additional problems. No reason to downgrade him in the old ranks. We also have Carson Wentz, questionable with the same ankle injury, expecting him to once again give it a go. Don't expect him to be all that effective, but he will at least be under center, uh, which I guess is making Philly. Philly fans, is it is it better or worse for Philly for him to play more? How, what's the draft pick thing again? Yeah, well, the more that he plays, the better their pick gets. So, so eventually, so the, Colts, if the Colts suck. Yeah, eventually they're just going to shut him down. Like, yeah. there's no way they're yeah. going to pay the higher draft pick. <laughs> Indy fans probably shouldn't be happy once it's playing. Philly fans should. So, and uh, thank you, Casey Pearson, for the kind words in the comments. Last thing, Andy Dalton is questionable with a knee injury. Matt Nagy says that the QB decision will be a game time decision. Matt Nagy, going to Matt Nagy. Like, this pisses me off, guys, because... We try to give these NFL coaches the benefit of doubt in this podcast. I understand they're freaking NFL head coaches. They're very smart and knowledgeable. But we just have Nagy like walking back on th- things he's said and just never gave Fields a chance with the first team. And then last week he's saying, wow, we see him with the first team. All of a sudden guys are making plays. Dwayne, is this situation for you? Like, Let's say that rational coaching prevails and Justin Fields is under center this week. Are you buying back this offense having a nice bounce back game against a much more man? Lions defense or at this point are you just like I need to see anything from this Bears offense before we're going down that road again yeah so I mean there's two different answers if I'm in season long I'm just trying to avoid it you know if I'm managing you know my rosters and my lineups but if I'm thinking about DFS I mean yeah because everybody's probably going to be off right of it's not that you want to double stack the Bears offense or anything like that but you probably don't even care about a bring back unless it's you know DeAndre Swift but Justin Fields, like if he's low owned, if he plays, and this this is the matchup, man. I mean, this is the one chance like the Bears have to actually show that they're an NFL offense. Like if you look at them, you know, from a standpoint of the matchup for the wide receivers, it's great. Allen Robinson has a 10 out of 10 on the wide receiver strength of schedule matchup. If you look at Cole Komet, he's got a 10 out of 10 for the linebacker uh, safety matchup versus, you know, uh, tight ends. And if you look at it for um, whoever's playing quarterback, that's also really juicy. So it's a 10 out of 10. So basically you just want to be playing the Lions. So I wouldn't want to use them all, but I'm I'm definitely going to make a, 
mix a few lineups up with it just because I, I anticipate that they're not going to be you know rostered that often as far as DFS goes. Andrew, I believe you said in our DFS show that Cole Komet was someone sticking out to you in the cheaper tight end landscape. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. but No, you're, you're spot on with Cole go. Komet, and it's kind of the same reasons why I liked C.J. Uzoma last night because he's running a lot of routes on a, a per dropback basis in the Bears offense. You know, he was up there. I think he was like top 10 last yeah, he week. He was over so, 80% last week. Yeah, so he's running a ton of routes when they're dropping back. So you absolutely love to see that at the tight end position. He's 3K. He's really cheap. And look, we've seen Matt Nagy bounce back in good matchups. Mitchell Trubisky, once upon a time, six <laughs> passing touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There were five Bears in the Millie Maker winning lineup. Five Bears. Five. And they won a million dollars because of it. This seems like that kind of week. Just saying. And, and the dude's uh, username was like Bears fan something. I mean, so, that dude just had a great Sunday. Won a million dollars. Won it with these guys. There's one guy that's won like three millimakers, and I want to say he's used Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback every time. At some point, you start to wonder, like, does this person just a Packers fan? And he plays all the Packers every week. Uh, I'm sure uh, that's not the case, but anyway. I love it. Moving on to the running back position. Dalvin Cook listed as questionable with the ankle injury, but we are expecting him to play even more so than last week, guys, because he was limited in every practice this week. So obviously, Alexander Madison goes right back into RB1 territory if Cook ends up being downgraded, but get back to treating him as you're locked in RB1. Cool stat from Roto World's uh, John Daigle. Last year, nine games after returning from injury, Dalvin Cook had 220 of the team's 247 back backfield carries so Madison played great last week don't really expect that to limit Cook's workload are you on the same page here Dwayne like we're back with Cook as a top three back ASAP yeah I mean once you've shown me that you can practice three days in a row we'd like to see you know a full practice you know instead of the limiteds but you know they were thinking about using him last week even though he was a DNP so with Cook yes if he plays at this point you just got to go ahead and put him in there and I'm I've got him in my top five right now so I've got him as the number five back in my ring Top five is more than fair. Antonio Gibson is not in the top five, but he does have a shin injury and is listed as questionable on the injury report. Ron Rivera said he's pretty confident about Gibson's status, but they want to check in on Saturday. So it doesn't sound like a huge issue. Also not necessarily expecting this to be, oh, the week that Gibson takes the backfield the hell over from the villain known as J.D. McKissick. So, Andrew, Gibson, is this anything you're really worried about or are we just still firing him up as a borderline RB1? Yeah, I think it's you're still firing up in season-long leagues. I guess if he's going to be chalky, it's a reason to potentially get off of Antonio Gibson for the fear that, okay, maybe this injury does matter. That's kind of how I look at chalk players. And if there's a obvious reason why I can get off this player, why I can see this player, his path to a fail failure in the matchup or, or however the situation is set up. Like right now, Gibson looks like the second most popular running back in our roster ship projections only behind the big dog himself so if gibson remains that popular then i'm fine to find alternatives in that 6k range uh at running back yeah and curtis samuel at just a stone cold 3k we'll get to wide receiver but he's gonna be awfully chalky as well we know gibson is maybe go against the grain get terry mclaurin or logan thomas and again a very winnable matchup against the atlanta falcons giovanni bernard has been ruled out with a knee injury Dwayne, how high is too high to rank Leonard Fournette? Because we aren't really expecting him to split this backfield the same way he did with Rojo. Now we got the targets coming. Like top 20? Top 16? Damn, I man. Remember, I, I have him 19. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Gio leaves behind all of the long down and distance work, leaves behind all of the two-minute offense. 
And pretty much all of that, 80 to 90% of that, will go to Fournette if last year is any sort of roadmap. And then Bruce Arians has come out and pretty much said the same thing. So we have the data points from last year. The coach has said, yes, that's going to be the same plan this week. Um, I think Rojo will get 30 to 40% of the early down work, you know, and could get a hot hand and get a little bit more. But yeah, it should be primarily Fournette. I've got him at number 19 because of the passing down work. Where do you have him, Andrew? I have him at 23. So I moved him up a little bit, but... Yeah, I, I just don't know, you know, is it just going to be Tom Brady throwing the balls five, like as many times as he wants and throws touchdowns? Like, I don't know how much they're going to run the football. Again, Fournette's going to be involved in the passing game, which is good. And look, we Bruce Arians does so many weird things with his backfield. Like we could see Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn's probably going to be active. And he was a pass catching back coming out of Vanderbilt. So, or he had the, the chops, I would say. So it could obviously be where, okay, well now, because when we ever have confidence in a Bucks back, it's like, oh, well, nope, psych. <laughs> True. I have him RB22, so we are all on a similar page. You know, good, good guy to have in your lineup. Don't overly freak out. Kyle Shanahan giving us some injury updates. Elijah Mitchell with a shoulder injury is quote-unquote still hurting, still sore, and his availability is in limbo. Fellas, I'm not feeling confident starting Mitchell really at all, even if he is active due to the potential for a reduced workload. And I'm also not exactly loving Trey Sermon. Like, just when we thought maybe we can get this figured out, now we have Kyle Juszczyk taking legit two-minute work, getting involved in the passing game, maybe even a hindrance on the goal line as well. So, Dwayne, give me your overall thoughts on this four Niners backfield let's assume you know just kind of where does Sermon go if Mitchell is out versus if he's in can we use any of these guys with any sort of confidence yeah I have Mitchell right now sitting at 24 um but I haven't updated anything based on this news I'm probably just going to wait until tomorrow to see if we get word on what's going to happen on Sunday but if Mitchell starts you know I mean I'll have him borderline top 24 if he if he's gonna play uh, but I mean I, I wouldn't blame anyone if you've got him more around 30 so here are the backs like he's around like I've got him one slot ahead of Miles Sanders I've got him two ahead of Zach Moss three ahead of Corderell Patterson four ahead of Damian Harris who just has a bad matchup and should be trailing so he probably won't be on the field Javonta Williams I feel like he still fits probably right around that range if he's playing in but it's like you said once you get to that range anyway you're kind of like it's. I know we have to rank them and put them into an order, but you you get into that spot where you know these are timeshares, and so you don't feel super comfortable about it. You basically know that anybody in that tier could have a big game, anybody in that tier could have a bit a really bad game, and that's the way I think about Mitchell. Um, if Mitchell is inactive, I would move Sermon up into you know the mid twenties. Um, you know, even though last week we did see Uzcheck get more work than what we would really like, um, some of that could have been you know based on not being able to really practice that much all week. Um, couldn't take any contact in the past drills, past protection stuff because he was still in concussion protocol. So my guess is they'll give Sermon a little bit more this week. I don't want to get carried away with it. Um, but I mean, I think he, again, he would fall into that same range. I'd probably end up putting him somewhere around Corderell Patterson, Zach Moss. Um, I think he carries more upside than Corderell Patterson because we still could truly get a all of a sudden he gets the whole backfield. Um, the other issue with Trey Sermon was just watching him. I just didn't think he looked very good. You know, it's not, I'm not like an NFL scout or anything, but just going back and watching the game, I'm just like, you know, he doesn't, he just doesn't seem confident, you know, in himself is what it looks like to me. 
I thought he got a little better as the game it went on, end, yeah. but I mean, it wasn't this amazing debut. He did show up, you know, and by, I'm not going to pretend like I can give you this long-winded analysis and every single one of his pass protection snaps, but similar to Sony Michelle, we at least got one example of him, you know, doing a good job uh, with a, it seemed like, like Kittle and kind of the right tackle. One of those plays where you see the defender rush into the backfield and both like linemen just look yeah. at each other like, what the <laughs> hell happened here? And Sermon yeah. was able to get in the guy's way. So, you know, from that perspective, hopefully he earned himself some more work but yeah just tough to feel too good about ranking these guys more than a low-end rb2 until we have some more clarity now andrew on our dfs pod you were all over jonathan taylor you got the over on the rushing props you got him as your top uh, GPP running back of the week. He is listed as questionable with this knee injury. He was limited all week, so expecting him to play. Any concern for you getting off Taylor potentially because of this, or you just saying, nah, he'll be fine? No, but he's been resting because he's going to be running around all <laughs> over the Miami Dolphins defense. So I love Jonathan Taylor this week. I know that he's been the chopper. He's been in a uh, failed chopper, I think, yeah, one of the last of past weeks. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Sh- I didn't mean to make that point. You, you can just uh, say chopper, and everyone will put, fill in the rest. Chopper. I think yeah, he's a great. He's a great play. His his price has just continually gotten lower over the past couple of weeks because he just hasn't fired yet. And I mean, what he's second in the NFL in touches inside the ten yard line. He's yet to score a touchdown from there. So those things don't balance out. He's due for touchdown regression, and it's a really good matchup against the Miami Dolphins. So I, even though I know the Colts O line is banged up, I think Taylor will be fine. Could have been a personal thing with the helicopter because Marlon Mack like hit on it a couple years ago, and Marlon Mack was the only guy I've ever put in the helicopter twice in one year. So it was like, are you freaking kidding me with this Jonathan Taylor stuff? Our boy's inactive, and you're trying to do this. So one could think. Daryl Henderson with the rib injury is expected to play this week. So I guess my thing with Henderson is we cannot expect him to have that same every down role because he had it, but then Sony Michelle also had it when he was sidelined. You know, mentioned this before with the Trey Sermon note, but Sony did seem to do the little things right in pass protection to earn some more work. So, Dwayne, with Henderson and Michelle active, I know you were pretty willing to put Mitchell in the top 24, but I don't know, man. I feel like in this situation, I would much rather wait a week, if at all possible, and then assess moving forward because this could easily be 50-50 here moving forward. It could be, but it just comes down to, again, like when you start looking at the backs around them, like would you rather play Daryl Henderson or Damian Harris? I'm going to play Daryl Henderson. Whether I either play Daryl Henderson or Zach Moss, I'm probably going to play Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson versus Miles Sanders. Daryl Henderson. So it's just like he keeps moving up like a peg just because some of it is to do with the players around him where you know they're completely embroiled in a 50-50 or worse situation, where his you know it could at least be 60-40. 60-40. It could be 70-30. Um, it could be more... I'm expecting more along the 50-50 lines this week, even if it's just from a pain management thing, you know, Ian, and trying to keep him, you know, in a good spot as far as his health, you know, going forward. But I moved him up to number 22. I dropped Sony down to number 42. So that's right in the Ronald Jones, Trey Sermon range of where I have those two guys right now. But, um, you know, before, that, it's still a... We still have him a lot lower than where we had him before. If you remember before the injury, we were saying, folks, like if you drafted Daryl Henderson, like you had a lotto ticket basically in the dead zone. You you had the one back until now James Robinson's now hitting because of other injuries. You, but you basically early on in the season, you had the one back out of all the backs everyone took in the dead zone that looked like he was probably going to be a feature back and be used all the time. And so um, he was a top 12 back before the injury. So now he's sitting at low end RB2, which I think is about right. Um, but I wouldn't argue with anyone that like 
messed with that order that I just gave you a little bit um, because I think there's just variables with any of those backs. Run through a couple more running backs on the old injury report. Melvin Gordon is questionable with a ribs injury. Obviously, Javante Williams would leap up the ranks if Gordon is out. No real reason. He was limited throughout the week to expect Gordon to miss this one. If he's active, we kind of anticipate that same 50-50, maybe more of like a 54-46 committee in Gordon's favor. What's up with all the rib injuries? Yeah. Nobody's wearing everybody. nobody's wearing red pads anymore. Everyone, yeah, everyone's too tough. Right. Everyone's a tough. Everyone's a tough guy now. Just put on the red pads. They're inconvenient. I think, I think like they just want to look good. It's like wearing a cup in baseball. Like you just can't expect to play all that well when you got all these things on your <laughs> hey, ribs. Some, 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 you know, seven, eight-year-olds really want to have kids one day. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, Andrew was definitely that guy that wore a cup to play freaking outfield. If you're a catcher, I get it, but like, come the hell on, like, get your get the ball in your glove. DeAndre the right, right field is the best. DeAndre Swift is questionable with a groin injury. Same thing he's been dealing with. Fully expecting him to continue to play. I don't, like, we got his head coach saying how they're going to get him more involved. Like, can we stop with this gimmick of listing him as questionable? Like, come on, guys. Josh Jacobs is uh, questionable for, looking questionable for Monday Night Football with the ankle injury. We'd really try to wait another week on Jacobs, people. Like, Peyton Barber, doesn't make sense that he's third in the NFL and carries over the last two weeks, even though he just joined the team on September 6th. No, that's what's happening. So, yeah, we're fine when it's Jacobs and Drake, but there's a chance it's Jacobs, Barber, and Drake, particularly if Jacobs is on a limited basis. I don't basis. think that – so I, I watched a video about Derek Carr, you know, talking about Josh Jacobs, and the way that he sounded sounded like he has, he does not think Jacobs is going to play. He's like, Ooh. yeah, like Jacobs like was running around a little bit, but – He's like, yeah, like if he's out there, like whatever. He was very nonchalant about Jacob's availability. So I would lean on if you have Peyton Barber, like I think or you can pick him up because I know that some people were hesitant to buy into him because they thought Jacobs would come back. I do think it's going to be the Peyton Barber show. I think we are one more week away. I think Jacobs is going to be inactive. But just based on the body language that Derek Carr gave us in that interview, which I guess you guys can find if you go look for it on Twitter, you can find it. But you just read his body language. You're like, okay, this the quarterback definitely does not think Jacobs is going to be available. Definitely. If you have Jacobs, if you have Drake, I mean, Barber is the one you're going to want at that point. Yeah. Hey guys, it could work. Dwayne, Dwayne, I think uh, we were joking about this. Like I refuse to put Peyton Barber at RB 24. I'm not giving him the RB two like <laughs> line, but we can put him RB 25. He, like, looked, this... he actually looked pretty good. I was like, so shocked. I was, I was watching that game and I'm like, Man, that guy looks explosive. It's Peyton Barber. Like, what's going on right now? I'm sure he's fine. But here's this thing this week. I mean, he's facing a Chargers defense that, as we saw against Clyde last week, like Brandon Staley is revolutionizing the idea of like, hey, run the ball all you freaking want. My two safeties are going to sit back and we're going to deal with the passing game. So Gruden wants to give Peyton Barber 20 carries. Good chance they could turn into another you know, 100-yard effort. This is where we are, touting up Peyton Barber, and it's only week four. Gotta love 2021. Final note, Dwayne, I'm going to throw this over to you in a second. CMC obviously out with the hamstring injury. We've talked about Chuba all week. Upside RB2. Royce Freeman should be involved, but definitely expecting Chuba to get the majority of stuff. But now, Dwayne, we had an ankle injury for Joe Mixon last night. Seemingly minor, but enough to kind of get him off the field there in some of the ever-important two-minute stuff towards the end. If Mixon's injury does end up being something like, I don't know, what happened last year when they didn't put him on IR and they just kept holding him out every single game, how do you expect this to be broken up between Samaje Piran and Chris Evans? I think out of the gate, you know, it'll be Samaje taking probably about 70% of the work on the ground. 
And then I think they'll split up the passing duties just based on what we've seen so far this year. I would think about, you know, it'd probably be about 50-50, but you would see Samaji P. Ryan handle a lot of the long down and distance. You probably see, you know, Evans take a lot of the two-minute work and or they'll figure out some combination of those. But I think, you know, P. Ryan's going to be the player to own, but you would have Evans as really... If you're in a deeper format, he would be a good stash. The cool thing about him is they've already shown they trust him in the passing game, which is the hardest path to getting on the field as far as running backs go, because you got to be able to pass protect. You got to know your hots, all that, all the mental side of the game you have to pick up, which which is why it takes um, time for some of the backs to get on the field. So anytime you see a running back that's young already getting on the field really early in those situations, it's easier for them to grow out the rest of their role, because if you're handling, you know, the rushing duties, it's pretty much, I mean, you know what the scheme is, you're following your blocks, there's less you're, There's less risk, right? You're not going to get your quarterback destroyed or anything like that. So I like that about Evans, but I think, yeah, P. Ryan is definitely going to be the player, you know, to own. You'll be able to plug him in. I would, I would look at him in, you know, I love yours and Andrew's thoughts, but he's probably a low-end RB2, you know, unless it's the right matchup. In that case, we might move him up more to like the high-end RB2, maybe borderline RB1, you know, if it's like a, just a pristine, perfect matchup. Um, but again, like Evans would be just a stash. Bengals, the, the Bengals have the Packers and Lions next two weeks. Oh, the Lions. Okay. <laughs> RB1! <laughs> Overall RB1, though. We saw him down the stretch last year with much more competition in the form of Giovanni Bernard. Really went out and be the touch leader regardless. So I do like what Chris Evans has brought to the table as a receiver. He had that touchdown in the preseason lined up out wide. But it's one of those things where they might like him as a receiver, but do they trust him on an every-down basis like P. Ryan? Probably not. So definitely all the P. Ryan. Yeah, but those matchups... Man, we just got done like hyping up Peyton Barber. Like you can, <laughs> Samaje Piran is going to be. Dude, this, this is why he goes zero. This is why he goes zero RB, man. Like, come on, like you just oh got RB ones all over the waiver wire. Just imagine, <laughs> you just need to hold all of them so you can use each one of them for a week. Andrew and I were just <laughs> tilting over uh, the victory laps yesterday. We won't. Uh, bleed the listeners ears anymore with that stuff all right moving on to wide receiver sterling shepherd and darius slayton both out with hamstring injuries kenny galladay has been removed from the injury report dealing with that hip injury but good to go for sunday this leaves Kadarius tony as seemingly the main beneficiary we also have cj board and andrew's favorite preseason sleeper colin johnson seven seven targets seven targets last week <laughs> colin johnson are you in? Are you in, Andrew? Are you in on Colin? Tell the people if we should care about any of these complimentary receivers walking into a buzzsaw in the first game back into the Superdome. Yeah, I'm gonna say uh, no. I think that it's good for it's good for Barkley. It's good for his targets to stay steady. I know that he had what he had seven or eight targets last week, so I know Daniel Jones takes away some of that with his mobility. But he's one of the better players. We see this when there's just bad options at wide receiver, the targets funnel towards just the better players. It's not just, oh, well, now we have to, Colin Johnson's going to take over all the Sterling Shepard targets or Kadarius Tony take on the Sterling Shepard targets. Like, that's not what happens. It's just the better players get the targets. So I, I think Galladay is safer now. Again, he's going to just find the ball. Daniel Jones is going to look for him a little bit more. I know it's not a great matchup against the Saints, but he's going to get targets in. He's a contested catch receiver, so he can beat, you know, tougher coverage if it's Marshawn Lattimore on him. Barkley, like I said, I mentioned I like the the floor there with the targets. And Evan Ingram is 3K on DraftKings. And we there's a lot of tight end injuries right now uh, that we're talking about. We're gonna talk, we're gonna get into some of them. So if you need a tight end streamer, Evan Ingram, he's a body, he's out there. He's he he was good at one point. <laughs> like he's an option and he's cheap in DFS as well. 
Dwayne, we for the Titans, we got AJ Brown and Julio Jones also out with hamstrings. Like, come on, we got NASA spending all this money on rockets and shit. Can't they figure out how like to fix a hamstring before we do this? But anyway, now we got Nick Westbrook. I need to learn how to pronounce his whole last name. Josh Reynolds, Chester Rogers, Marcus Johnson. There's another. There was another receiver whose name I heard for the first time in my life going through the box score uh, last week. Are you kind of same wavelength as Andrew with the Giants here, Dwayne? We're yes. like, if anything, it's just Derrick Henry. Yeah. Oh my yes. God, Derrick Henry. All, all, all I read on your show sheet when I was looking at this was the word after all of those, sheesh. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that's what all you should have went with. You should have just went with sheesh. I'm not playing any of those players because of the what Andrew just talked about. Um, you know, Westbrook looked, Dash, can't pronounce last name, looked good. Um, Akina, Akinan? I like, I like Andrew. He's our pronunciation expert. Ike Heim? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, we should probably learn that. What's funny is I actually had that game on while I was doing my projections for the week. So I should know it. His his voice, like when I was going back through all the games, but I, for whatever reason, totally tuned it out. But no, man, I don't, I don't want anything to do with these receivers this week, Ian. Curtis Samuel will be active for the first time this season. Gotta love it. Had that groin issue. Feeling good about that. Now, how will this impact, you know, Diami Brown, Adam Humphreys remains to be seen. But when you give the guy, I believe it was a three-year, 20, might have been a $30 million deal in the offseason, you would like to think Curtis will be out there in three wide receiver sets. And, like, I don't know why they would activate him if he wasn't 100% ready to go. Remains to be seen. Andrew, any thoughts on how this impacts the other guys? I think it's better off, unless you want to use Curtis as the 3K salary saver, you know, in your cash lineup. Well, I think that's reasonable. The main thing might be like, hey, all of a sudden, everyone's looking at Gibson. Everyone's looking at Curtis. Maybe the move in tournaments. Just give me some Terry McLaurin. Agreed. I think that's a great pivot off of what's going to be really chalky Curtis Samuel. And and the thing is, you can probably play both of them. Because Curtis Samuel, the, the fact that he's 3K just offers you so much flexibility in your lineup that he just doesn't even really do that much. And he's still going to pay off wherever you play him. You know, most tournament winning lineups have a bad play. I've seen... Uh, tournament winning lines with uh, zeros in them just because everything else kind of works out so you don't necessarily need to hit the nuts unless you're playing in like the millie maker so I think it makes a lot of sense to use Curtis Samuel but then also don't forget about other pieces like McLaurin who is kind of being slept on a little bit despite the fact that he is the alpha in that offense and they are playing the Atlanta Falcons so I'm not opposed to playing them both Seahawks injury report. We got some banged up wide receivers. Tyler Lockett, uh, seemingly questionable. Some of these West Coast injury reports take a little while to come out, but he was not able to practice on Thursday. I have seen the Seahawks do this where they kind of rest the guys on Thursday and they bring them back for Friday. We've also seen Lockett in the past be active play 80-90% snaps, and then the coaching staff weeks later being like, yeah, well, he's still really banged up, so we purposely haven't been throwing him the ball. So Warrior Lockett, I think he's only missed one career NFL game, but yeah, shouldn't necessarily expect our usual uh, Lockett tar- target share. Possibly more concerning is that DK Metcalf might be on his way to a questionable tag as well with the foot issue. Started the week with a full practice, then went down to a limited. We also have Gerald Everett on the COVID list, making Will Disley a prime option in your cap lineups and wherever at 2600 over on DraftKings. Andrew, Metcalf, Lockett. Like, if they're playing, we got to get them in the lineups. If not, maybe Eskridge manages to clear the concussion protocol. But I guess we'll find out, like, how, like, between Russ and Tannehill, like, can you guys throw for this many yards to complete nobodies or not? Yeah, it's concerning. I mean, I think Metcalf will probably be fine. And 
I think that he's just really a strong play regardless. If I, Honestly, he's probably even a stronger play if Lockett's active because people won't be as yeah. you know, as heavy on him in terms of exposure in DFS. But we've seen this before with Lockett where he does not play well when he's banged up. Like, like every if you, when you look at the splits, like, you know, first half of the year he's on fire and the second half of the year he's not great. It's always like, oh, well, he was dealing with an injury for like three months or, or two months. So if that's what this is trending like, I don't feel great about starting Lockett again. You're still going to start him because of the upside that he offers. Unless you're completely loaded, and you can you just, oh, I'm just going to bench Tyler Lockett. Because we, we see him, he duds out all the time. Like, he has really high ceiling games and really low floor games and this kind of looks like it's going to be more of a floor game um if he's even active moving right along russell gage has been ruled out with an ankle injury i know not everyone was probably super in on gage this week but losing him cordero patterson kyle pitts calvin ridley probably more condensed targets there Dwayne, out of these kind of complimentary falcons guys i mean i guess ridley like is the passing game so shouldn't call him a compliment but could you see this week being the kyle pitts breakout he's like my favorite play at tight end uh this week in dfs every week is the kyle pitts breakout until, it, until after <laughs> it happens it's like the jonathan taylor breakout it's gonna i mean it's gonna happen um you know i feel more confident about kyle pitts than i do jonathan taylor because like he's on the field in all situations where jay we know he is game script dependent like big yeah. time like he can totally be washed out of a game like quickly um whereas Kyle Pitts really can't you know from a routes perspective it's just it's just a matter of you know him making the adjustment but he's out there plenty and I expect it to happen eventually I can't guarantee which week it's going to be but he continues to be a buy low until that happens as well with the Jets Elijah Moore ruled out with a concussion Denzel Mims will be active we also have Jameson Crowder Listed as questionable. Dwayne, where do you have Corey Davis ranked? I think he's a great play in, on DraftKings at just 5K, tournament and cash games alike. But he's someone where we got our two touchdowns in week one. He didn't play well against the Patriots and Broncos because when your offense, like Corey Davis has scored the Jets only two touchdowns this year. Like they have not scored since week one. Obviously, he's not going to be able to put up points there. But now all of a sudden, this is a winnable matchup against the Titans. Should we get back to trying to get Davis in the majority of starting lineups? Yeah, I'm going to have him in most of my lineups, and I own him quite a bit. I mean, but it's what you said. He just had a couple of tough matchups. I mean, the whole thing, it go, this is all true for all of the Jets' you know, offense. It's not like all of a sudden we want to be investing a bunch of stock in the Jets' offense. But with having um, you know Elijah Moore out, uh, we could get Crowder back this week. Um, it, it, you'd prefer they have at least another target to go to, so it's not like, oh, let's just take care of Corey Davis, and then you know we win the game because that's probably problematic for Corey Davis. Um uh, not even counting in like the potential revenge game factor, but just looking at the wide receiver strength of schedule, it's a 6.5 out of 10. So that's in like the top eight. His wide receiver cornerback matchup, I want to say, is in the top 12 to 14. So he's got a lot of things going his way. Um, and he is the primary pass catching receiver the way pass catching receiver. I just say receiver. I guess they should all <laughs> catch passes, right, Ian? Um, but what I would say about Corey Davis, um, and I know people hate this, but if you like Brandon Cooks, you should like Corey Davis. They're the same thing. The Texans' offense is going to reveal itself, and it's going to suck just as bad as the Jets when they play some tough defenses. And now the Jets get to play an easier defense. So I just think it's going to be—they're going to be of the same ilk. They're nice wide receiver threes who can give you a wide receiver two week. They could even give you a wide receiver one week. We've seen them both do it. So Davis still fits that mold, and this is definitely going to be the best matchup that he's seen this season. So, yes, I do like him yet. 
run through a couple ones before I get Andrew's take on some Steelers goodness. MVS is out with a hamstring injury. Expect Alan Lazard to have more of a full-time role. Randall Cobb should be a bit more in there. Amari Rogers, perhaps. Are they going to be usable fantasy guys? Not really, because Devontae Adams could just end up with 25 targets. Aaron Jones getting the rest. Darnell Mooney. Setting up questionable again with the groin. He's been limited all week, though. I believe he's been listed as questionable every game this year. A different Full- week, a different injury, though, every week, and he's limited <laughs> the whole week. It was it was a neck. A, he had a neck the first week. A it back, has been different ones, okay. And then it's been a growing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a degenerate, and I, I, I look at this stuff too much. But, yeah, like that trend stuck out to me. Mooney hopefully you know the freaking walking graveyard of injuries is okay but yes expecting him to once again play through the pain Keenan Allen you know we'll find out his designation on Saturday he has been limited throughout the week with an ankle issue but when he's already practicing uh, we're expecting him to go out there and play I know a lot of people remember the infamous you know week 15 or whatever it was last year uh, start me you know going into the primetime game but I would not worry about Keenan Allen ahead of this edition of Monday Night Football and also Will Fuller is set to play after getting a full practice on Friday Andrew is very happy to hear that what's up quick note quick note on that one so with Fuller it's not the Dolphins you know they do want to push the ball down the field more this year they haven't done it a ton um, at least not they haven't done it and done it well. But here's the cool thing, the Colts. So if you look at the NFL average over the last three years um, of giving a an open target at 10 yards or more down the field, you just kind of got to get rid of everything under that because running backs are running free in the flat and all kinds of crap, right? The schemes yeah. just allow these just allow the space. The further you go down the field, technically the less space that there should be because you're dealing with more defenders, the ball's in the, bear, in the air longer, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I won't I won't go through all of that, but the cool thing with the Colts, number one in the league as far as giving up targets 10 yards or further down the field above the NFL average. So the NFL average is 27%. That There's a step or more of separation in those throws. The Colts are at 47%. 47% of the passes they give up over 10 yards are open. They're open looks. So that's cool for Will Fuller because we know where Will Fuller is going to be used over 10 yards down the field. And he was getting some air yards last week. They didn't cash in, you know, but he was getting. That's why he got hurt in the first place in overtime. Potential chance to win the game. Great notes there, Dwayne. Um, Andrew now believes it is Freddie Swain season with Dwayne Eskridge doubtful with the concussion. It could happen if Lockett's going to be limited. Freddie will be out there. I just better not see any of you out there touting Freddie because he had that touchdown a couple weeks ago. That was one of the biggest blown coverage blunders you will see of the year. So he's fine in that he is one of Russell Wilson's top receivers. Just get like, that's the thing, man. I like Jacquez Patrick is fine. If you want to like get him for the future and you're hoping a role grows, just don't tell me that like you've been studying his XFL film and like he's this great big body, like power back that I have. but I have been, Ian. I've been doing that. That's what I. That's how I spend my nights. Andrew. Freaking Andrew. <laughs> with the Steelers, Chase Claypool trending towards not playing with his hamstring injury. Like, just the worst case practice participation to go from full to limited to a DMP on Friday. Juju, the opposite. DMP, the limited, the full with his ribs. He is, is off the injury report and will be suiting up this week. And surprisingly, Deontay Johnson back in action after missing last week with the knee injury. When Deontay would regularly leave games early or miss time last year, he would always come back to his full role and continue to get peppered with targets. So, Ben, you know, can't throw every single target to uh, Najee Harris, so I'm 
cautiously optimistic Deontay will make the most out of it. Andrew, are you with me? Like, we're back here, upside, wide receiver two territory for Deontay. We love Najee. Other than that, we'll stay the hell away from this offense. Yeah, I think we saw everything we need to see last week with Ben can support Najee and one wide receiver on the Steelers. And it's always been Deontay when he's been healthy. Last week, it was Claypool because he was the only one that was healthy. Juju was doing nothing in that game even before he left with the injury. So, yeah, it's it's Deontay unless we see a change in the wide receiver one chair in Pittsburgh where Claypool overtakes Deontay. But considering the health of all these receivers and the just track record of Deontay Johnson with Big Ben, he seems like the only guy you can obviously start and feel good about as a wide receiver, you know, two option. And Claypool and Juju should honestly probably just be on your bench. Quick update Lamar Jackson is technically listed as questionable we are still fully expecting him to play people so don't be too alarmed about that also a quick shout out to Blue 80 in our comments who has uh, commented about Tim Patrick no less than 20 times in the last five minutes Devontae Adams or Tim Patrick he is leaning Tim Patrick gotta support the best number four wide receiver in the NFL in the comments whenever possible let's talk some tight ends wild one Man, so when a player is doubtful, it's like over 90% certainty that he will be out. But this one is potentially a 10% addition. Rob Gronkowski returned to practice on Friday with this rib issue. He was expected to play. Ian Rappaport, rap sheet. Never been wrong with anything. Okay, I'll, I'll be I'll <laughs> yeah, chill that's on like, that. That's what you knew. It was like, wait a minute. He says there's no way he'll miss. Yeah. Of course he's doubtful. <laughs> Now he is doubtful. I can just tell Andrew, who will be at the New England uh, game this Sunday night, is seething. Uh, Dwayne, I'll try to get some emotionless analysis. I'm, I'm just playing with Andrew. But Dwayne, between OJ Howard and Cam Bray, which one do you think people should be looking to stream this week? Well, I mean, my first inclination would be Bray because he's really been the one running the second most routes you know, to Gronkowski. Um, now, having said that, they could come out and do something totally different because they could say, really... O.J. Howard is the handcuff to Gronkowski. That's why he hasn't been on the field. And Brait would just stay in the same role. What I will say is O.J. Howard and Gronk are both better blockers than Cameron Brait. So I would still lean to the player that's been in the routes more often. There's been, you know, Brady's actually thrown them the football this season. I think O.J. Howard has one target on the whole season. Uh, maybe just like five snaps on the season or something crazy like that. So I would lean to Brait, um, but I wouldn't have a ton of confidence in it, um, Ian. I think it could be something that surprises us. Go get yeah. go get Dawson Knox. Waiver yeah. wire. I was about to say, Dawson Knox, I think even Will Disley. Like, there are better streaming options than these Tampa Bay guys. But for you showdowners out there, Cambrate, and if you know if it's not Cambrate, then you know just yell at Dwayne all you want all week. George Kittle not guaranteed to play in Week Four. Per Kyle Shanahan, hasn't been able to make it on the practice field at least on Wednesday and Thursday due to this calf issue. You know we've seen Ross Dwelly pop up in the past. This 49ers passing game uh, tends to you know cycle through them and still keep the tight end involved. Jordan Reed had a couple big games when Kittle was out, but I don't know, guys. Like Andrew, I, if anything, like Kittle being out makes me feel that much better about. Brandon Ayuk, you know, he's someone I've already been seeing in a lot of start sick questions. You know, it's he's he's got the starting role again. We got to be somewhat concerned about Kittle and Debo still getting theirs. But if we can take Kittle out of the equation, Andrew, that's a nice bump for Ayuk. I think that's always been the equation with this 49er, this trio of 49ers pass catchers, where when they're all three of them are there, it sucks because none of them are going to necessarily eat that much in the offense. But when we remove one piece and every time there's one guy not there, all the other guys just blow up, or at least one of them blows up. The other one is really productive. So the way that they play, 
They're super aggressive with the ball in their hands. I remember reading reports this offseason where it's like, yeah, they're probably all not going to play all 16 games and or 17 games. And then when guys miss, that's where you're going to see them pop. So Ayuk is on the upward trajectory, getting the snaps back, getting the starting roll back, seeing end zone targets. So I feel great, obviously, about Debo as a top 20 guy. And then sliding Ayuk back into that wide receiver two territory as well, like we thought he was going to be during the offseason. So I th- and again, the matchup is also there against the Seahawks. Like, not a great secondary to go against. We know Ayuk is talented. Debo's obviously been a monster so far this year, and I think that continues with a banged-up Kittle. So I feel great about both those guys um, in DFS and in seasonal leagues. Pulling up our PFF consensus rankings, which you guys can find at pff.com slash fantasy slash week slash rankings to see the disparity between these receivers because, you know, I, I didn't get Brandon Ayuk being so far ahead of Debo throughout the, you know, process of before the season. But now it's more or less reversed it. And now I'm wondering, like, do we need to be more on Ayuk because we're so much higher on Debo? Like, Dwayne, I understand every single Debo target share stat for the first two weeks. Like, we had to treat him as a borderline wide receiver one almost. But now that Ayuk is back to play in this role, like, do we just need to have them more or less like next to each other in the upside wide receiver three, borderline wide receiver two range? Or do you think that Debo does still hold like a significant advantage over Ayuk until I see Ayuk actually get more I'm gonna stick with Debo because even last week with Ayuk coming back I mean Debo even though he didn't show up great in the box score either like the utilization wasn't close Debo was the target monster for the week Ayuk was not Ayuk was at 17 percent Debo was like 30 or 29 percent so still you know almost doubling him up in target share so I'm gonna stick with that for now but I do think over time we probably will see them start to come closer together, unless I just sucks, right? And I'm, I'm assuming that that's not the case because players typically don't, you know, do some of the things he did last year and all of a sudden just fall off the face of the planet. Um, so I would expect, you know, things to tighten up. But until it does, I'm going to go, I, like, I have Debo at 13 this week and I've got Ayuk down at 41. So I've still got space between them. Andrew, why are you excited? Ayuk led in air yards. That's all I've got to say. So that's that's what I'll say. There is that upside there that he is now starting to see more of the downfield targets that Diva was seeing a ton of, which he never saw at all last year. So I think that's just important to note. You got to chase those air yards. Got to chase the air yards. Gerald Everett on the COVID list. All the world Disley mentioned that before. Jack Doyle, questionable for week four. He did get back into a limited practice on Friday with the back issue. As much as I would like to say, you know, if Doyle misses this, like Mo Alley-Cox could be a thing. I think Kalen Grayson or whatever the hell their rookie's name is, like would be pretty involved out there and probably just split it. We don't want to touch really anyone in this Colts passing game other than maybe Michael Pittman. With all due respect to touchdown scoring extraordinaire Zach Pascal. Other injuries just to quickly mention Quentin Nelson has been ruled out with an ankle injury not ideal for Jonathan Taylor but again if we're just going through you know the hey if Peyton Barber could do it then anyone can you know kind of state of mind I think Taylor (laughs) should be okay and then a good point from friend of the pod Hayden Winks uh this week where you know the Eagles O-line is really banged up their left tackle just officially got ruled out today both of their starting guards are on the IR list at this point so you know I've a lot of the studies I've done this week do show the Eagles like having a good offense in this matchup and stuff but I think it's an example of a three-week sample one of which they just beat the living shit out of the Atlanta Falcons probably leading a little bit heavy on that so I do like the Chiefs chances of you know making big things happen with that six-point line we now have an update on Elijah Mitchell Andrew I believe you posted this in here the floor is yours my friend 
Yeah, so this is from Nick Wagner from ESPN, and it says, Elijah Mitchell's status depends on the pain tolerance and where that is when he goes through testing on Saturday. Shanahan said the team will give Mitchell as long as he can to get ready, <laughs> given the current running back situation. So it seems like they're really like hoping that he's going to be able to play and that they're going to feature him. So again, it's a thing. I think it's a it's becoming an issue where I think they want to give him like 15 touches in this game, but he may not like last that long depending on how his injury is playing. So I think that you probably can't play Sermon if Mitchell's active at all. And I, I, it's kind of, you just kind of go until the wheels fall off with Elijah Mitchell. I guess that's all. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty typical of a 49ers team and running back. They just run the guy until a wall until the wheels fall off and then they just go to the next guy. So yeah, Trey Sermon catching strays out here like no other. <laughs> Dwayne, any uh, any change to your thoughts on the situation with that news? No, I mean I think I think Andrew did a good job of outlining it. You know, if if Mitchell's there, you know, and I've already got Trey Sermon down in the 40s, right? So hopefully you're not considering him that much anyway. But if Elijah Mitchell is active, you know, and we think that he's going to get. 12 to 15 touches. I mean, Sermon at best is going to get six or seven and he didn't look that good. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm with Andrew. You can't really use Sermon if Mitchell's active, if Mitchell's playing, you're going to play him, you know, most likely. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have him right around running back 24 where I've got him right now. Maybe you try to, if, if we get news on Mitchell on Saturday, you have Trey Sermon, try to flip him, try to trade him. Cause it doesn't seem like they're wanting to get him super. It's going to probably be more like use check and sermon again. So I think that's an interesting pivot because then Mitchell's going to be back next week and all indications are then he will then be the bell cow again. And sermon will be kind of useless as just a handcuff. Yeah, that will be important. The Josh Jacobs uh, status should come out Saturday as well. Keenan Allen. Andrew, it might be a good time for people to check out the PFF show on Sirius XM Radio. Hear your analysis along with some friends of the pod. How about you let people know where they can catch that? Yeah, it's on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Got to go check it out. It's myself and Brian Drake, the host of the Fantasy Football Hustle with Dwayne McFarlane. <laughs> Always got to check it out. So yeah, one that's going to be one big family here. <laughs> it's all comes We're full all circle. interconnected. It's it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yep. But yeah, lots. We're we'll breaking down the games, talking DFS picks, and yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I saw Drake shooting out videos today of him breaking down DFS. Watch out, Andrew. Yeah, well, I know. So someone comment, <laughs> somebody commented on the video and said, "Hey, nice uh, reading off a script, man. Like eye contact, nice." It's like, guys, come on. <laughs> oh my goodness some of the uh in-season matches i was getting i i didn't wear my uh cool little bucket hat today but I, I had a video go up on Derek carr and someone's like you expect me to take advice from someone wearing a bucket hat inside and i was just like <laughs> i'm telling you you gotta come you're on not, one of these you gotta wrong. come on one of these days not with wrong. like with your sunscreen on your nose in the bucket oh my hat. gosh Dwayne, to tell, let, let people know all the fantastic work you put on pff.com this week Sure. Um, so yeah, you've got the utilization report. I know you guys all read that anyway, right? If you're not, like, come on, what are you doing? Um, number two, you I got the confirm my priors rankings. with the utilization report. I <laughs> confirm all my priors with it. It's yes, great. For Dwayne that. agrees with me. <laughs> it is great for that. <laughs> um, so uh, and then on Wednesdays, I put out my tiers and rankings. I keep those updated. I'll update them again all tonight. 
and they will come out again tomorrow morning. So that's an article form. I give you all my thoughts behind my tiers and why I've got certain players higher than others. And then also today you had my fades and smashes, upgrades, downgrades article came out, which is essentially tightening all that down into here are the top 30 players you need to know about this week that are either moving moving up or down the ranks due to matchups, health, different things like that. You can find my favorite article I do every week, the Mismatch Manifesto. It's my pinned tweet over at iHearted. So I got my 47 favorite notes. And then, as always, it will be free for all you people that don't want to throw in, you know, $7, $8 to PFF a, a, a month. But hey, maybe you like the article and you want more from that. That's where you can get the beyond the locked articles that have matchup notes on every single wide receiver cornerback group, tight ends, running backs, and quarterback superlatives every single week. So thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you guys like the rotation we got going. This is our injury pod. Dwayne and I will be back Sunday night to talk about what happened in the games, then talking waivers on Monday, previewing the games on Tuesday, guest on Wednesday. Andrew and I break down the DFS stuff then, and here we are bringing it all together. So one big, happy PFF family. For Andrew, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.